to the Learning 3.0 podcast. I'm Rustika Lamb from Bloom, and in each episode, I chat to learning and technology thought leaders and how to support business performance through people performance. In this episode, I interview the crackerjack Laurie Niles Hoffman. You know when you're talking to a thought leader, when they tell you about the colourful emails they receive from who she calls the haters. She specialises in large-scale digital learning transformation and is leading the way in innovative digital learning through a multidisciplinary lens. She shares great stories from the field and her life and how a Lou order text on the way to the Saturday market gave her some great ideas for innovative learning. Laurie, welcome to the Learning 3.0 podcast. Thank you very much for having me. That's good. I have just really enjoyed reading your LinkedIn posts and um, loved the bit about, you know, you like to have a bit of a snark. So, um, <laughs> and I, to me, that just means, you know, you say it as it is. And that does take vulnerability, right? It's like just to put it out there and say, here's my view. And not everyone's going to like you for that. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. There's there's haters. <laughs> you have a very interesting and colorful in mail box, but you know, I think especially at times like this, it's time for us to cut to the chase and figure things out quickly. And if we can't do that without self reflection and criticism, open and honestly, we're not helping ourselves as an industry, and we're ultimately not helping that learner on the other end of the screen. Absolutely, and I think that's the thing. Like transformations, you know, we've had these 12, 18 month, two year, three year, multi, multi, multi million dollar digital transformations and we've seen how quickly it actually can be done it can happen so fast so and that's the thing like we have been through several other economic downturns with the 2002 2008 and of course we probably will have another one post-covid as well that's what they're saying what did you see being good gen x's that we are in in 2002 (laughs) 2008 what did you sort of see in those times well, I was in kindergarten in 2008, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> you may too. <laughs> so you really don't remember it. No, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, so in both of them, it was a repeated cycle. So what you saw in 2002, in some ways, it's similar to what's happening now with the speed at which it hit, because it really was 9-11 for us in North America. So it was a shock, which is what we went through with COVID. It happened mm-hmm. it happened so quickly. And what you saw was very interesting. So first of all, yeah, LD was one of the first to get let go. This mm-hmm. was it. Mm-hmm. Um, we were challenged to go digital. At that time, a lot of the e-learning was even delivered by CD-ROMs, you know, and there yes. was really dated, right? So when we think back to that time, so everything was about cost savings, move it to digital. And actually, if you think about it, that 2002 is when Articulate launched. So that was probably a success story out of that situation. Completely. And what's also really interesting is it is really when all companies or most companies bought a learning management system. The reason for that is everybody had to comply with what was called the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. And you had to prove, I won't go into the act, but part of it, the outcomes of that is you had to prove that everyone in your organization, particularly if you were banking or insurance, had training on anti-money laundering, code of conduct, all of these things. We were tracking that on spreadsheets. So then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we need an LMS. So that technology took off at that point. So you see the things that are happening in that. So we responded with innovation. And really, it's interesting in both uh, situations, in both uh, recessions, it really was compliance was the entryway for L&D teams to start growing up again. Mm-hmm. 2008 was a bit more of a slow burn, right? And it didn't happen as, as fast. However, 
we still had the same patterns. You know, L&D was cut. We were asked to do more with less. And this is where you see the birth of a lot of content libraries, a lot of large content libraries. Uh Mm -hmm. Right. Now, a lot of them have been around for a long time, but they really started to expand in those few years around that because L&D teams, they were decimated and they would go to a company and say, you don't have an L&D team here. You can buy these 150 off the shelf courses. And this will be the training for your company. Mm. Now, doesn't always work as we, well, I don't think it ever works, but those are my, <laughs> my snarky thoughts. So we receive that response with innovation. And in the 2008 situation, we also too were being, it was about going more digital, but it was about how do you enhance those digital experiences? So it's a bit of a different situation because we didn't really have that. In 2002, we just didn't have the online infrastructure that we had in 2008. Mm. One of the things I saw down here in 2008, because I totally agree with you, it was 2002, a lot of induction went on 2008 to 2010. I was cycling around two or three companies, you know, doing induction, going to another one, or can you come back and update it? There was a cycle of induction. So yeah. that was kind of interesting as well. I think they were like looking at take our four weeks and put it into two, please. So as you say, they're innovating the induction experience. Yeah, certainly looking to streamline, yeah, making things as, you know, tighter as possible, as, you know, squeezing out as much as they can, making the learning shorter, you know, all of those things. But it was still very much so a cost exercise. Yes, absolutely. So innovation and compliance. What about now? Mm -hmm. What are you seeing this time? Because we're sort of a couple of months in now. So what are you seeing this time? Okay, we are seeing layoffs. Be totally transparent. Um, you know, that's something that is happening. And we know companies that they are looking at L&D again as that cost center. And I think that's the biggest mistake. And that's not just because I'm in the industry. It's for me, you, you need to be thinking about how you're going to skill and reskill your employees right now if you want to pivot fast. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing. So we are seeing that happen. In terms, though, what's really interesting now is people have gone digital so quickly, and therefore the expectation of a digital experience for the average employee has changed a lot. You even look at Zoom. Zoom had its teething problems, and they had to move very, very fast Mm -hmm. to fix that. And immediately you saw... Facebook entered into the fray, announcing that they're going to do a video conferencing tool. You see uh, Google as with their meets. And so competition is starting to happen in that space very quickly. And what that competition will do is drive better experiences. And -hmm. people have expectations of those experiences. So now they see this benchmark of what good will look like or will feel like. And then they go into your LMS, (laughs) your (laughs) LXP. And it's like not what I was expecting. Or even they go into an, you know, MS Teams and they see it's not just the look and feel, but it's it's the searchability, it's the way knowledge is leveraged and all that. And so L and D right now is kind of it is getting a bad rap where they're saying, look, you haven't you're not keeping up with these competitors who are able to do this. Mm. So there is that concern. L and D themselves have not done themselves a lot of favors right now. I see a lot of L and D people who are uh, you know designing modules for wellness and you know. Um, which it's well-meaning, but it's not doing anything to contribute to bottom line. We, they, they're not thinking like, what, how do they contribute to a business? Mm. And so I think that's the problem. And so we're going to see some some shakedowns uh, you know, happen. Absolutely. And I do predict we'll have a compliance wave come up again. There's no way we're not going to go through COVID without having to do, people come back to work and do a whole bunch of recertification on, yes, I will wash my hands and, you know, yes, I will, you know, do this. And I know how to use a UVC sanitizer and da, 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 da. That's going to be the way that then will bring L&D up again. But it's the wrong way, but it's a wave. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I was, um, when I was talking to Dr. Sydney Savion from Air New Zealand um, this week, we were talking yes. about this and it's like 
it's that whole experience that they will be getting, that you just get in your everyday life and that, you know, you want to know something. You pick up your phone and it's on an app. Why, oh, why do we not have that same delivery method for learning? (laughs) Because Apple doesn't send us to learn about their product to a SCORM file or in an LMS or somewhere. So and uh, the question is why L&D not doing that? Because they didn't serve themselves in 2002, 2008 Mm -hmm. to support the business as they needed to be done at whatever time was happening. So where do you think that link is? Sydney's going to write an article about it because she thinks, well, why are we not doing that? So here's the thing. There are people out there who want to do that. You'll see a lot of L&D people who complain about the way things are. But when you follow the money, you quickly discover why things are indeed the way that they are. So we think of SCORM packages. SCORM Mm -hmm. packages, you know, they're the worst things in the world. I don't know why we just don't use cookies. You know, we can get just as much of information out of that than far more than we ever get from the SCORM package. But when you talk about all these content libraries, you know, that make a lot of money and companies pay millions for them, if you really started getting the type of data you would get from cookies on some of those courses, you start to see that the engagement levels are not where they should be. A really interesting tip for anyone listening, if you're bored, (laughs) go to your LMS and compare your content libraries, compare completes with incompletes, see what that ratio actually is. And you might be extremely surprised. And those are metrics they don't want you going too deep into. And so also too, you know, with the LMS, they haven't really, from the old school traditional LMS, they haven't really invested in that technology and they haven't had to because typically what they do is they get themselves connected with the talent management system, the HR systems, blah, blah, blah. And then they say, and we'll give you the LMS for free and no L&D team can argue with free. It's just not going to happen. So that's why you end up with this old behemoth of an LMS that doesn't have the things that you want it to do. And Mm. that is, again, it becomes a financial one. So it is very difficult. And it's also too, I would also say, too C-suite, I don't think really understands what L&D actually can do, or they won't let them do the things that they should be doing. They still see it as a compliance functionality. Um, everything's a course, and, and that's where we, we need to go. So there needs to be that fundamental shift. And, and if anything good comes out of COVID, I would love to see that happen. Mm. And you talk about cookies. Do you want to sort of share a bit? Uh, uh, that sounds intriguing. I've got an idea what you mean by that. Do you want to explain a bit more about that? It sounds awesome. Sure. So, you know, when you travel the web, right, there's cookies, right? Yeah. And that's why when you look at a, a dress online and or a pair of shoes, it's why it follows you to Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's tracking you. Now, there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of privacy issues around this and we won't go into all that. But I guess what the example would be is, and this isn't actually just cookie functionality, but I can put a blog up on Squarespace and have to know how to code anything. And yet the amount of information I can get, I know how long somebody visited the site, where they came from, what pages they clicked on and where they did not click. Mm. Um, You just get a ton of information. Why can't I just use that? I mean, in some ways that just gives me everything that that I need. I can do, I can even do fancy branching on that and find out how people go without bothering with SCORM or XAPI, which are great technologies. Well, SCORM's not, sorry, XAPI is. It's just, they're cumbersome and difficult to work with when there's other possibilities that exist. So imagine if we were using something like cookies to track a a learner through their intranet, this is an imaginary world, what would we find out? What would we see? And the data, it would be incredibly fascinating. 
Mm. But again, that's that's a whole other world of ideas. That's right. That's right. And, and innovation. But again, it comes back to data or data, 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 um, <laughs> which, uh, as you know, with Donald Taylor's recent survey, you know, that's yes. one of the top trending things is yeah. that. So, and I think people go into L&D because they love people and they love creating things. And mm-hmm. usually data is another more introverted yeah. type skill, right? So the the psychometric testings I've done with L&D teams are very on that sort of extrovert creative side, not the detailed introvert love data side. So, mm-hmm. and speaking of that, so I guess it, it's really around what do you think teams will need to look like given going forward to support teams are gonna need, Yeah, teams are going to need to look very, very different. And this was even pre-COVID with some of the clients that we work with. And, and I've done some teams restructuring before to, to help companies. I'm not an HR OD specialist, but it was more about the L&D part of it. Yes. And experts handled all of that other stuff. I was more, you know, conceptually what you need to do as, as a team. So the first thing that we got in was what I call an air traffic controller, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And that is somebody who's, who's, we got rid of the annual plan. And it's somebody who triages every request coming in and looking at it to see key, key traits. Is there evidence to support the need? Does this support business outcomes? Is it going to contribute to preventing risk or revenue? So you had, you know, your list there. And that person was pivoting the business of the L&D team against that. On a daily basis, we would have a stand-up. And so we were very clear, too, to the business that we're not being the order takers. We're also not saying yes to everything. Some things are going to go to marketing and communications. So that was a key role that we've never existed before in L&D. Then we also, too, really structured ourselves as um, a digital media team that you would see. We had a videographer. We had journalists. People who were not L&D specialists. Mm-hmm. Why did I have a journalist? If I had an emerging need come in, they could go interview a subject matter expert and within four hours get an article that was far better than any e-learning module that was mm-hmm. that out there. The article would have a hook, a story. It would leverage digital media. And sometimes they would even have graphic design skills, which was a bonus. Mm-hmm. And that's what we had on the team. We did have a data analytics person. But really, we combine, you can also combine data analytics with a, a community engagement manager because we also had that. And those come from marketing and they know how to use all this data, even though they're not data scientists. You don't, that's the trick. You don't need to be a data scientist. You just need to know where to find some basics and what to put together in order to get a, get a good picture. So that was a key role because too often L&D puts stuff on online and then does nothing else with it. So you needed that community engagement manager was quite critical. And then the skills of the general L&D team, you know, it, it changed. The performance consulting was actually really almost automated. And then we had specialist performance consultants who could take qualified learning. But we said, yes, this is going to be learning and then do the next stage. Typically speaking, with the clients we work with, we reduce courses by 70%. Fantastic. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yep, I love yep. That, that whole course, uh, resources, not courses. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Have you, you've probably seen the Sky TV case study that's been around a lot. Yes. You know, yes. courses, compliance, one hour per annum, done. 33,000 yeah. people. The savings of that is just amazing. Exactly. You, you know, like we speak the same language. Do you find with teams, though, that this comes down to mindset? A lot of them can't hear what you're saying because of this is the way, especially the trainers who've been in the classroom who are now yes. being forced to go online. It's okay, well, it does work, but I still think it's better this way, but I'm going to do it this way. It's a mindset thing. Yeah. So the way that we've tackled this, we always go in with our clients from the top level and say, look, you're looking at a third, a third, a third. 
A third of your team is probably already ready for this transformation. And in fact, if you don't transform, they're going someplace where that transformation is going to happen. So mm-hmm. that's that's fairness. Your second third is they just don't have the skills. They don't quite understand. And mm-hmm. so you're going to need to think about reskilling them. L&D will need to reskill. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get them on the bus and on the journey. One third will not make it through. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that sounds harsh because it sounds, especially in this time of, of COVID, and it sounds like I'm just decimating an entire team. But the fact is, I really believe that everybody should have a purpose and intention and feel good about where they are working and contributing. They will not like the new normal. So they need to find a way for their skills to translate into something else that's really going to give them that that pleasure. Communications was a good place for them to land, internal comms. Or we would keep uh, one, you know, sort of portion of the team that strictly dealt with compliance learning. Because typically there's so many rigid parameters around that you can't do a lot. You can't change it from a course to a resource. Mm. So that would be a good place. They will not like the new way of doing things and they won't feel satisfied. So I always advise the clients too, you're going to need to think of ways that you can help them pivot because you have a responsibility to them. They are your employees, but you can't keep them on the bus because they're not, they're not going to like it and they're going to be a disruption and they won't be happy. Mm. So what about the agile movement? I mean, (laughs) in mindset, (laughs) it, it sounds like you're talking about that, but not really. What's your thoughts on agile teams? Uh, you know what? I mean, most people, even with agile and what I see as agile, I mean, it means a million different things to a million different people. Yes. How I see agile with a small a is more thinking about things in iterative approach, a design thinking. So rather than designing an entire curriculum, this is my pet peeve, I have mm. many, but this is one of them, <laughs> designing an entire curriculum. And you haven't tested any of it. And I'm like, okay, yes. whoa, 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 why do that? Why not do, you know, take one sliver of what of the component and do some A-B testing on it and do some, you know, and by A-B testing, I mean, maybe produce it yes. in one form of media and another form of media, give it to two similar audiences and see what happens. Mm. Um, you know, but we just dive in and we do these huge things. So I think that's mindset does need to change. Where the other agile comes from, I believe, is we can't stick to the annual plan. It doesn't serve us well. Every team has the problem where the business comes to them in March or June and says, this is an emerging need. L&D says we don't have time, resources, or budget. And so business is frustrated. They go off and either find another solution, which is a duplication or doesn't work on yes. the LMS or whatever, right? <laughs> and they don't like L&D because they say, well, they don't give us anything. Yeah. We need to have the authority to be able to, to turn, to pivot, and to say, actually, use our brains and say, working on that leadership program for another six months is not as important as this piece of content that is happening right now and that is impacting the business and the people on the front lines need to have it. That's right. Yeah. Especially like now with the reskilling that's required, sales are down, you know, the the real business problems. I mean, getting people to do COVID SCORM files is not the solution. right now. Definitely, definitely, definitely not. And, you know, we have got to get out of that business and that mindset. And I know it comes from a place where we want to help. We want to be seen as useful. I know a lot of companies right now are saying that they're seeing boosts in the amount of the learning being consumed. And I know that should make me happy, but it actually makes me more scared (laughs) because... What's going to happen is, is you, first of all, the skills that they're learning, we don't know if they're aligned to what the business actually needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that L&D should have been more proactive to identify what are going to be the emerging skills and start 
feeding people towards that content as opposed to a free-for-all buffet. And of course, everybody's going to take the leadership because they want to be a leader. Not a good time to practice your leadership skills during a pandemic because the stakes are really high. <laughs> you're not going to be coached well because you're virtual. And, you know, it's just not not a good idea. Okay, You're going to get, you know, the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Whereas people have a little bit of knowledge and think that they're experts in something. And that is is also, too, can be a dangerous thing. So, yes, I know this is going to get, you know, misquoted that Laurie doesn't believe people should do learning and, you know, when they're off. And that's not at all. I just think we can do a lot better managing that time in a way that's actually going to make sure we don't end up with a bunch of basket weavers when we really need candle makers. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And I think if L&D stopped and thought, what was the last thing I learned and how did I learn it? That in itself would be a clue to what could be possibly being developed. And I love your cross-functional team. I think the way you describe that, you know, all of those different skills. Seems to have quite a marketing flavor. You talk about A-B testing and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, comms and journalism. And it's very integrated sort of almost into a marketing functionality. And, and some of the LMSs you're seeing now have actually got those campaigns almost like a marketing campaign, but they're learning campaigns. Yes. And a lot of people, you know, they, they kind of sneer at marketing. And, and the thing is, and I don't think we should, the fact is, is that we are not marketing. We are L&D. And there is a very big distinction. However, marketing has mastered digital. I mean, when you think of the customization, personalization of your experience online, and if you don't believe me, change your browser to DuckDuckGo from Google and just try using it. It will drive you crazy because you will not be able to find any of the things. It, it just, it's, it's such a weird experience. I put that on my iPad and then I had Google on my laptop just to see. And I was like, I just couldn't even deal with it. Ah. So it's really interesting. If you just, if you're bored, this is a good experiment to do. For those that don't know, so DuckDuckGo doesn't track what you're Correct. doing. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yes. So it, it's, it's, it's a totally, it's totally anonymous, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, you, and you will just start to see the <laughs> suggestions and recommendations. You're like, huh? <laughs> um, now there's also the aspect of some people are like, big brother is watching me and, you know, and I, and I get all that. The thing is, there's the fundamental difference between marketing and L&D is marketing will continue giving you what you will consume in order to make you purchase. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're always chasing that. L&D has to give you stuff that you don't necessarily have an interest in or that it's trying to find interest in or trying to generate interest in. So it's different in terms of the pathways. However, we can still learn a lot from how they guide and curate and create those campaigns to get them to an L&D place because ultimately a campaign is just self-paced, nudged learning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And hopefully in when you're needing it. Exactly. And I think this... And I think this, and we'll talk about what what we think is going to emerge next, but I think one of the things is going to be integrations between business systems. So if I'm a new manager, I want to put in a request for a new staff member, that new staff request is actually then linked to something that gets delivered to me that says, oh, by the way, here's your checklist for recruiting. So it's not so much data, but it's actually the integrations between the different systems. And Mm -hmm. just talking to some people this week, it's like, that's all there. We're just not using it. Well, thinking about it in an innovative way. So so what do you think is going to emerge next in terms of technology? Say, for example, what do you think is going to emerge? 
So the big thing for me is what I've been loosely calling the invisible LMS or the invisible LXP. Mm -hmm. So if you think about right now, and again, this is a marketing thing. So right now we are all, whether we know it or not, are touched by different campaigns, right? And the example that I like to tell, and apologies if someone has heard this before, is in a pre-COVID world, (laughs) my husband and I every weekend used to walk to the same grocery store, mostly because that's specialty stuff. It's a walk. It takes about an hour each way. I have a loyalty card there, everything else. One day when we were walking, we always go on Saturday around the same time, I got a notification on my phone for a coupon for blue roll, toilet paper roll. Mm-hmm. Right. And I thought, okay, now put it all together. It put a lot of data and triangulated it to push out content that was relevant to me. So it probably knew the number of people in my household after monitoring what I was buying on my loyalty card. So mm-hmm. it probably determined it was two of us plus, plus a cat. It probably also too, it knew my habits. It knew the day I was going to come because it tracked you know me over several weeks. Not sure, but maybe even via GPS, it knew when I was getting close to the store. I don't know. I mean, but it put all this data together to push out a piece of relevant content because it also knew the last time that I bought toilet roll. I was going to say, did it, you have it on your list to buy? I did. I did. I did. <laughs> Excellent. I love that story. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Now, had they been smart, and this is where L&D would need to think, they should have sent that coupon on a Wednesday to see if they could double my behavior, right? To see if I would go in the middle of the week. Mm. But anyway, that all aside, so the invisible LMS, if you start to think of, and you talk about the campaign functionality, which is definitely coming, and that's something to L&D, if anyone is out there looking to upskill, learn how to create marketing automation campaigns and think about how they would go into learning because that's a sure bet. Mm. But if we think about L&D, we won't be logging into an LMS. We won't be logging into an LXP or whatever you want to call it. I, you know, I don't see much. The lines blur. I think LXP is a marketing term for an LMS. I, it is. It is. It is. It's, it's basically. I don't want to be called an LMS, but I do all the things an LMS does. Yeah. But you, you can tag someone and <laughs> not an LMS. Um, so think about now. We're now even starting to see with companies using Teams. Look at how much data is generated by Teams. And how do you integrate yourself into that and build those campaigns in a meaningful way? So now you're going to know when that person left vacation, you're going to know who they're talking to and who they're not. Where are the silos? You're going to start to know time of day, day of week that people are logging in. What types of files are they sharing and what are they not? Where are the knowledge deserts where connectivity is not happening? And so you, if you're smart, you're going to be able to integrate into those in a meaningful way. And we are seeing there's a lot of solutions that are becoming basically our platform invisible. Filtered is one of them, although Filtered does have a platform you go to, it can be integrated into Teams. Another one that I love is Sparks, and that is also too technology agnostic. So it doesn't matter if you're using Slack Teams or whatever, and it can fit into those. I have no personal affiliation with any of them other than a brain crush, and I really like what they do. Um, So that's going to be the type of thinking that that happens. It'll be more about that overall learning experience and how we also, too, are able to segment and nurture groups of people along in a digital and meaningful way. Mm. Um, And that's going to be, I predict, will be the new thinking. But that's going to be a huge challenge for L&D to wrap their head around. And actually, we'll probably have to be creative about bringing in people with marketing backgrounds to come in and help run some of these. Or you're going to see partners who will emerge who can do this automatically for companies, professional services. Yeah, absolutely. We've stretched the rubber band. I just hope we don't go back to the old way because it's just easy 
you know, so I think we, I don't think we'll go all the way back, but I, I'm already seeing a shrinkage back to old ideas as I'm talking to, to companies. You know what? What's going to come out of this, though, is what I hope, especially for the death of the SCORM course, is going to be cost. Um, and, and that's going to probably be the one where we say, okay, do you want me to do a vanity project that's going to cost you 55000 And it's going to take eight weeks because we're going to Q&A, we're going to do all this. Or I can get this journalist in who can write you an article, combine it with a few, you know, learning bits and bobs and infographic, and we push it out into a campaign that's going to cost you maybe three thousand. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very big difference, and and I can demonstrate the outcomes. That's going to be, you know, the change. But there will always be the traditionalists. You're always going to see that. Right now, I see lots of people in L&D advertising that, you know, they're, they're starting to learn articulate rise. They're going to convert everything to digital. And it's not the right thing to do. It's no. not, the right thing for, not the right thing for us. It's not the right thing for that person, as I said before, on the other side of the screen. Mm. That's very 2002 thinking. Extremely, extremely. Mm. And people are going to be desperate to get into new careers and new jobs and desperate to upskill. Mm. And they're already dealing with the stress of homeschooling on and, you know, getting food and sitting in their pajamas all day or whatever. <laughs> so we need to do everything possible to make those learning experiences effective so that they don't have to hunt around and, and try and, you know, get past the next avatar in order to get the information that they need. Yes. We just can't do it to them. Or gamification points on a school file. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is not, it's not fair. It's not fair to that person. And that that's really where a lot of my ranting and snark is because I think of that person who's got a mortgage to pay and they don't have time for that. No, that's right. And as you say, the homeschooling and the stress that goes with that, you know, yeah. and the kids aren't coping either, like having meltdowns and you know, it's sort of adding to the, the whole thing. Completely. Fantastic. So that's covered a fair bit of ground. We've covered like 20 years, <laughs> 2002 <laughs> to 20, almost 20. years. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. So any sort of final comments? The reason I sort of contacted you was that awesome webinar you shared recently and I'll, I'll share that oh, with everyone you. as well. Um, thank you. That's on your LinkedIn, I'm assuming. Yes, yes it is, yeah. yes it is, yeah. That's good. As we said, that's the webinar we wish we didn't have to make. Yeah, exactly, which is helping L&D people move into new ways and new roles if, they've, if they have been disestablished. So yeah. um, it's interesting, there, was, there seemed to be a big wave of LinkedIn sort of people saying, I, you know, I'm moving on about two or three mm-hmm. weeks ago, but seems to have slowed down a bit. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see also too, as, as, as you see with companies, as, as they approach quarter end, depending on where their year end is also too, because that's typically where you see a lot of those, those changes, uh, changes mm. happen or restructuring happening. Fantastic. That's mm-hmm. good. So how can people follow you? Um, they can follow me on LinkedIn. That's where I probably do the most damage, uh, just <laughs> under my name, <laughs> Lori Niles Hoffman. I have a blog that's lauriniles.com. Uh, yeah. uh, so feel free to, to follow me on there. I'm not so much on, on Twitter. I should be, but... Uh, um, me neither. I, 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 I just, yeah. it's not, I don't know. I've, never, I've tried and they'll go on it and then I go off it and I go on it and I go off it. And yeah. Yeah. I, I'm more of a lurker and it's, I think it's because I like to write. Um, and so I find it's so limiting um, in terms of what I can say. But anyways, uh. that's just me. It's actually quite a good learning tool in talking about learning yes. tools. You can create lists and then you can go, and I do get, I could probably get more involved in following the, the cookie trail, <laughs> the breadcrumbs yeah. when you go on there <laughs> on different topics. So um, yeah. this is really good from a learning point of view. So exactly, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And I hope one day that you do get to come to visit New Zealand. Donald Taylor's <laughs> saying, oh, I want to come down. So there's, there's quite a few people wanting to come down. So yes. we've, we've had the 
Charles Jennings and Nigel Payne. So we could almost do something down here when this is all over. <laughs> I would welcome that. I think it'd be a fantastic idea. And um, I also hope that day comes sooner rather than later. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, stay healthy. You too. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to get in touch with me to suggest topics or speakers, you can contact me on LinkedIn or Facebook or find the links in the show notes below. Keep on smiling. Bye.